2: Hello there, Duke fans, and welcome to episode number 571 of the Duke Basketball Roundup. We are here because it is game week. We are about to take on Baylor Bears at Madison Square Garden. That game is on Wednesday. We are here to preview it. I'm here. My name is Donald Wine. I'm the host. Jason Evans is also here. We're not going to do our normal intros, but Jason, quickly say hi to the people. Hello to the people. Yeah, we got a good guest. We want to get to them right away. Yeah, and we're going to bring them right in because, you know, we like to do these for these big time matchups. We are not Baylor Bears experts, but thankfully we were able to reach out and to our friends over at our daily podcast. And we have a Baylor expert with us. His name is David Hornbeek. He's with our daily podcast, which covers the Baylor Bears. They are part of the SB Nation site, our daily bears, and he is here to help us preview the big game. David, thanks for joining us and welcome to the show.
0: Yeah, Donald Jason, glad to ha- glad to be a part of it. Thanks for having me. Uh, Bears are off to a good start this year, so it's it's always fun to to talk about Baylor basketball. So glad to be doing it with you. Yeah, absolutely. As you mentioned, and Baylor is doing very well this season. They're nine and one currently ranked sixth in the AP
2: and coaches polls, fourteenth in Ken Pom. I, I know you're coming off of a loss yesterday to Michigan State in Detroit. we before we talk about that game, I just want to know first off, you know, entering that game, you were nine and zero ranked in the top 10 in the country. What has Baylor done well so far this season to get them
0: to this point? I think really, we, I mean, walking into this season, Baylor's been great the last, you know, I'd say decade or so, really been in one of the elite programs in the country the last five years. Where this season really started was probably in the offseason. Scott Drew and his staff have done a tremendous job at hitting the portal and hitting it hard, uh, combined with recruiting from the high school ranks and getting some homegrown talent. Uh, They've done a good job of sort of marrying those pieces together. We saw that with the team a couple of years ago when they won the national title. That was how that team was built. Uh, This team has a lot uh, very similar makeup, right? You have uh, a young NBA prospect, you know, potential lottery pick in Jacoby Walter. You have a guy in Eves Messi who's also a true freshman who actually reclassified and came a year early. Uh, and then you've got Ray J. Dennis, who's at his third school, spent some time at, at Boise State, was the MAC player of the year at Toledo, and uh, Jaden Nunn, who was one of uh, VCU's sort of vaunted group of guards there for a while. And so you get that group that comes in uh, through the transfer portal, and offensively, they have meshed tremendously well and can score the basketball. And they've been really overwhelming most opponents on that end of the floor. And that's sort of what has driven the success so far. You know, when we look at the schedule, you've had
2: some pretty good non-conference games so far, and you're going to have a great Big 12 schedule moving forward. We're going to talk about the actual schedule as it plays out uh, in a little bit. But again, let's go back to the game against Michigan State. You know, Michigan State, they come in. It was, to be fair to Baylor, it was not a true neutral site game. They were playing (laughs) in Detroit. Um, It is 90 miles from East Lansing. It is not 90 miles from Waco. But what did you see in hey, that? Hey, game? Donald, really quick. Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: Ken Pomeroy refers to that as semi-road mm-hmm. semi road um, or semi neutral semi
2: semi away is what it says. Like, yeah, but, uh, that
3: was more than semi. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes.
2: Again, it, I have driven to Waco, Texas from Detroit. It is not 90 miles uh, like it is East Lansing. But having said that, what did you see yesterday that I guess was a little bit off or different than what you've seen leading up to that point against Michigan State?
0: Michigan State uh was the first team that I think really tried to play very physical with Baylor. Uh it's a deep rotation of Baylor guards and and even in the front court some and we've been able to rely a lot on that to run fast, you know, motion, really take advantage of being able to go 8-9 guys pretty efficiently. That <laughs> That was what we kind of started to try and do in that ballgame. But Michigan State, as I said, was very physical from the jump. Their defensive intensity was better than any we had seen so far this year. And we've played, as you mentioned, a few – we've played some good teams. I think the Auburn win to start the season was a great one. I think that one's going to end up looking better as the season goes on. But Michigan State was the first team to really come and hit Baylor in the mouth. And they just didn't – they took that hit. They had the crowd behind them from the quote-unquote neutral site – Uh and and they wrote it. They played very, very well, great intensity, and just Baylor did not quite respond like they would need to in that type of environment and with that type of game. Uh it was the best I had seen Michigan State shoot all year. Uh they had been sort of been well documented. The the shooting was that they'd had. Uh Walker had a fantastic ball game. He he's the engine that makes that team go. And one of my uh I won't say concerns, but the thing that Baylor needs to work on the most, I think, to take this team to where its potential ceiling could be, is the cohesiveness on the defensive end, and it's just not quite there yet. Especially with the new pieces that I was talking about, and I, my, I think there's glimpses of it that can show it will get there. But when Michigan State was coming out and shooting like they were and playing very well, great offensive rebounding too from them at the beginning of the ball game, it really put Baylor behind the eight ball from the beginning, and it was. They played a pretty decent second half, but when you're down by 30. Decent's not going to cut it. We're going to get into the metrics uh, of what you do well and, and, and what you've been
2: successful at, and, and vice versa. You know, in a, in just a second. But when you look at the schedule so far, from the beginning of the year all the way up to uh, this past weekend, what are you thinking? What what game? If if a Duke fan's like, I want to watch Baylor at its best, what has been the best, uh, or at least most successful game that you've had thus far? The game where you thought they put it the
0: most together. I think it would be the very first ball game of the year, the Auburn game. Uh, Baylor and Auburn started their seasons in a in a game against each other, and the shooting was great in that game. There was uh, Baylor got out to an early lead in that one. Auburn came clawing back, and ultimately, I think they ended up. I don't know if they were ever up by double digits, but they were up by a good amount. Um, and so you you saw a great back-and-forth basketball game that ultimately uh, Baylor's two freshmen, who I think are probably their most highly touted players right now, really shined in their college debuts. Jacoby Walter went for 28 points in that game. His shooting was fantastic. Uh, Ease Missy, the post player I mentioned, uh, there was about a minute stretch at the end of that game where he dominated. Um, he made, he made a, a great little turnaround shot. Stole the ball on the in, ensuing inbounds pass and had a uh, dribble down the floor at seven foot one or whatever he is by himself to dunk over a defender. Uh, it was it was an impressive highlight and just showed his skill even as even as an early college entrant. On top of winning that game, Auburn's proven to be a pretty good team. Uh, that would be the game I would target to say let's let's see what this team's got. That's been their best, especially that second half. It's been the best half of basketball this year.
3: Uh, hey David, uh, Jason here. And uh, like I like I've said, I'm I'm the stats guy. I'm the guy who looks at all the advanced metrics for our opponents and tries to figure out places where they you can take advantage of them and places where they're going to try and take advantage of you. Something jumps off the page about Baylor. Uh, they they have the best three point percentage in the country. Yeah, they're shooting better than forty four percent from three point range. I mean, wow, that's an incredible number. But And this is a big, but they don't take a ton of threes. Like Ken Pomeroy says they're 231st in the country at three point rate, you know, comparing three point field goals Mm -hmm. to two point field goals. Look, I I get that you only want to take three pointers when they're open, but watching their games, do you feel like they should be shooting more? Should they be taking advantage of that great shooting? Even if it brings their percentage down a little bit, like, oh, maybe rather than hitting 44%, they only hit 40%. Shouldn't they be firing it up there more from long distance?
0: The numbers tell you, yes, as a Baylor fan, I would say I would like them a little bit more, but I'm pretty comfortable where they've been. And I'll tell you why. If you compare them to so uh, was it now three seasons ago now when Baylor won the national title, they were the number one ranked shooting team in the country that year as well. Uh, And it was not very close that year. I think we had five guys that shot over 40 percent from three. You look at last year's team, which had a ton of shooting talent. You had your lottery pick Keontae George, who's now starting for the for the Jazz. You had Adam Flagler, who was, you know, a a vaunted shooter in college. He was fantastic at Presbyterian and then at Baylor for several years. And you had LJ Cryer, who is the all time points leader, at least when he was in high school in Texas, 6A college or high school basketball, who played great at Baylor and then is now killing it at Houston. Those guys were your starting three uh, guards and they could shoot the lights out of any gym. And they relied on that a ton. There was a ton of jump shots and, and it, it made that Baylor team last year a little bit prone to scoring droughts if the shots weren't falling. So with that context, why I say I would like them to shoot a little bit more, but I'm pretty happy where they are now is this team obviously is shooting the ball very well, shooting it at a tremendously high percentage. But there, also, there, there are points of games where they're very focused on getting to the rim uh, and, and, and getting quality shots in the paint. And the three ball comes off of that. And so, it's, it, of course, there's sets and things that Scott Drew draws up that are designed for three-point shots. Um, but you see guys kind of fall into what their shot is, and they stick with that. And I think that's why we're seeing high percentages. And the getting to the rim aspect, I think, can help prevent this team from going on extended scoring droughts at points. And so that's why they've been one of the top offensive, you know, adjusted offensive efficiency teams in the country so far. We see guys like Jalen Bridges who are, have been great players in college, but have not shot at this clip. He's staying pretty within himself and he's mostly a a corner three shooter. Um, You know, not quite as rigid as PJ Tucker is in the NBA where he would just only (laughs) shoot from the corner. Bridges will pull it from other places, but that's his bread and butter. And he knows that. And that's his shot. And so that's why I think we see a little bit lower usage rate, but still really high percentages. There's some room there, but as a, as a watching this team play, it doesn't bother me too much that they're not utilizing it more.
3: Look, one of Baylor's weaknesses, because I I talked about their strength. I want to get to one of their weaknesses, especially on offense, is something that Duke has struggled with as well this year. And you talked about guys getting to the rim. This Baylor team gets their shot blocked a tremendous amount of the time. It's kind of unreal. They're one of the worst teams in the country. At getting yeah. their shot blocked. 13% of their attempts get blocked. Now, Duke fans think we get blocked a lot. Everyone out there listening, they get blocked even more than we do. Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. Uh, is that just a, I am dead set on getting to the rim, and if you're going to block my shot some of the time, it's okay because I'm going to score a lot of the time when you don't block it? Is that what that attitude is?
0: I think it really is, especially with Ray J Dennis. Uh, he loves getting into the paint and he plays a little bit of like a YMC old man's game at points at point guard. Uh, and, but there are some times where he, you just know he's putting his head down and he's going to the rim. And I mean, if you've got a decent shot blocker, they're going to be able to read that. I would expect, I, I really do think you probably hit the attitude
3: on the head. Uh, so let's turn to the other side of the ball, the defense, because I mean, look, uh, we said you guys are a great offensive team, number four and Ken Palm on offense, but Defense, not really your thing. <laughs> yeah, seventy, yeah, seventy yeah, third in the country on Ken Palm. Uh, you don't get turnovers very much. You don't get steals much at all. And for a team that's top ten in the country at offensive rebounding, congrats on that, by the way. You're great offensive <laughs> yeah. rebounders. You're you're in the bottom half of the country on defensive rebounding. What's you know why do you struggle? Why does this team struggle so much on defense compared to their offense? Because the theory goes you've got to be good at both to win a national title. And at the moment, this Baylor team's only good at one of them.
0: Yeah. I like I, I kind of referenced this earlier. There are glimpses of playing very great defense. And Scott Drew has run a he's run a number of defenses since he's been at Baylor. Uh if you recall back in 2010 when, when Baylor and Duke met in the Elite Eight here in Houston, that was the Scott, that was the, the prime of the Scott Drew zone era. He ran a one three one zone. That that zone was anchored by Epe Udo. Uh, and had a lot of length on the wings his national title team i'll
3: tell you it was fun to watch y'all were y'all were really great that year
0: (laughs) yeah it was that was obviously duke went on to win the national title uh and you know there may have been a wrong call there at the end of that elite eight game i'm not bitter. no i'm not bitter um (laughs) but now and in the national title, he ran a no, a no middle, you know, lots of switching uh, everybody guarding every position defense. And and we're still seeing most elements of that. And he'll switch defenses from time to time, but that's predominantly what we're seeing is a heavy man to man. And I, I think there's two things to it. I think one, uh, the the cohesiveness is just not there. That defense needs a level of understanding and play with one another that it just comes with time and building it. And I just, it just hasn't gotten together yet. Like it, like it could, uh, you'll see some miss switches and things like that. And, uh, misreads. I would expect it will come with time. Uh, there's some great non-con games that we've played. Obviously this one coming on Wednesday against Duke is going to be great, but make no mistake. Baylor's focus is winning the big 12. And if you can win the big 12, you're going to be in a great spot come the beginning of March. So wow. You know, that, there's all of that, but I, I, I think, um, the other thing I'll mention other than that is of the actual roster makeup is in the post, you've got really two guys. There's technically you could stretch it out to four. If you count Caleb Lohner and Jonathan Chachua, who's still kind of coming back from a horrendous injury, but you've got Ease Missy and, uh, Josh Ojanwuna, who are both very, very young guys. Uh, Josh is a sophomore. Ease is a true freshman. And, um, I don't Eves is a great shot blocker, uh, but he sometimes I and I will say to 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 point at Duke, I, I am a little bit that's my area for concern, I think, is if matching up size-wise with Philip he can do it, but Philip Howski is also, also really well known for how he moves without the basketball. And 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 Missy doesn't he sometimes gets caught ball watching a little bit. And so
3: you know, that, that, could be that can be a
0: concern on the help defense. <laughs> and and yeah, it's very dangerous, especially with a guy like Philip So yeah, I, I think missing um missing that help defense at points and the miss switches sometimes is sort of what we're seeing. And who
3: knows? Hopefully it will improve. I have hope. We haven't seen it quite yet,
0: but we'll see what happens.
3: Hey, my last question, you sort of teed me up for this a bit. You were talking about who you guys have played. you got that nice neutral court win over Auburn. You you talked about that. Also a neutral court win over Florida. Those are both good wins. You've got a pretty nice win over Seton Hall as well. Yeah. But everyone's aware Michigan State game did not go well. Absolutely blown out um, in that contest. How important is this coming up game against Duke for Baylor? Because for Duke fans, we think this is like one of the most important non-conference games on our schedule in a while, because we've unfortunately dropped a couple games in the non-conference that, you know, we we didn't think we were going to lose necessarily. Right. And we don't have a lot of opportunities for resume-making games. And the ACC is, frankly, not the Big 12. I mean, in the Big 12, you're going to have opportunities for big wins, big games against Kansas, Houston, BYU, on and on and on. How important do you think, does Baylor think this game is? And has it been elevated because of the way the Michigan State game went?
0: I'll answer this. I think there's two different answers to this. I think a, a, a global answer and, a, and an in-season resume building answer. So for for the resume building, I think it's easier one to start with. I don't think this game for Baylor's resume at this point in the season is tremendously important. It's it's a great win, but if you lose, it doesn't kill you. Because of that conference slate we've got coming. Um after losing to Michigan State, I, I think it becomes more important because Baylor's schedule so far has not been tremendous. You've got several quality wins we're, we, we're kings of the SEC right now, but you know you, you do want to have some more things added to your non-con. So, of course, it goes for that. But it, this is this is not a make or break for Baylor's tournament resume. Uh, I do think this is because I think both teams are going to end up being pretty good this season. I do think this is like a seed line bump potentially for whoever team, whatever team wins this game. I could, I could see where if, you know, one of these teams on selection Sunday is kind of between a two or a three or a three or a four, this could be the win that puts you over the top. Oh, they beat that team on a neutral site. So, so for those, I do think it is important, but it's not a make or break for Baylor's season, so to speak so far uh globally i think it's tremendously important right i B- baylor remembers that 20 2010 uh, elite 8 game we 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 reference it a lot we joke about it all the time was it a block was it a charge you know all of those things uh
3: but, by the way duke has one of those from our elite 8 game in 20 uh 2018 2017 donald against kansas the wendell carter blocker charge was it 2017 yeah. or it was 2017 that was 20 uh 2018 it was 2018 yeah, yeah yeah sorry i get my year but we've got one yeah. of those as well so we're with you man
0: <laughs> yeah and i don't know how many uh kick out offensive rebound kick out threes john shire hit in that game but it was a lot
3: it was 18 um, i think
0: <laughs> it, it felt like more than that <laughs> you know so you know we have that baylor's recruiting has been great the last few years there's there's room to take another step there's a couple players that maybe we've missed on that i thought we wouldn't but there's there's you know there's only so many um Places to go from that perspective, from a brand recognition perspective, from a chance to put on on a national stage at a huge venue against, you know, one of the premier programs in all of college hoops. It's huge. It's massive. Right. Uh, Baylor is new to the game in the the top level of college basketball when you compare it to the, the histories of a lot of these teams like the Dukes, like the, uh, you know, the Michigan States, to be fair the uclas of the world we're new to that scene not that we're staunchly in it but we've been in the conversation for the last five years and you want to you want to cement that position that's where you want to be in this game and for those reasons i think it's tremendously important and for i will say uh i think he may even listen to your show my friend jay uh went to baylor with me wanted to go to duke um wasn't quite as smart as you fellows but so he didn't get in no, I'm just kidding. Uh, But he did end up at Duke. And so for those personal reasons, I always like to see him sad um, when he has to actually pick the school that he went to over the team he roots for. So, Hey, we we, we get that a lot
2: uh, here <laughs> in the DVR podcast. Hey, I, I actually wanted to, you brought up a good point when you were talking about just the schedule you have in front of you, just the Big 12 in general and how strong it has become. And, and if you think about the era of conference realignment, I know you guys deal with this on the football field, but in basketball it's created a lot of changes for the big 12 around you have, you know, BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF have joined. This is the last year for Texas and Oklahoma. They leave after this year. And then you get Utah, Colorado, Arizona, and Arizona state. Most people are looking at the football side of things, but what is the impact in your mind going to be for the big 12 moving forward
0: on the basketball court? Just brutal, right? I mean, it's already a schedule. That's, that's daunting enough. Now you're adding Arizona, uh, you know, Utah's been savvy at points. Arizona State, in their history, has been had some great teams. So, I, I I don't I'm not to cast aspersions well, look, on hey, Texas at, or Oklahoma, top, but I think it's only getting better.
3: Uh, I was gonna say at the top, that you guys are gonna have Kansas, Baylor, and Arizona. <laughs> I don't think there's gonna be any conference that can match that in Houston. Yeah, Houston, right? Yeah, Yeah. And By the way, BYU is like in the top five in all the metrics right now. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, and
0: Texas Tech was in the national title game in 2019, right? So, and they've been through a couple coaches since then. But that's Lubbock's still a tough place to play. Uh, it it is it it's exciting from as a hoops fan perspective, right? I mean, this is this is what you want uh, if you can go in and and just have premier matchup after premier matchup. It's both exciting and exhausting, <laughs> right? To to try and live through that. The, the stat doesn't hold up anymore, but on our show a few weeks ago, we were talking about just looking forward to conference play and sort of what it was going to shape up as BYU was rising better than we thought they would and things like that. And it's, uh, someone pointed out to us that it, Texas Tech has a stretch of six games from the middle of January to the beginning of February in that stretch, in that three-week stretch. And at the time, their six opponents in that stretch were 44-0. And that was, you know, well into the non-conference slate. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, it 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 wow. was wild. And that stretch did not include them playing. Uh, it did not include them playing Kansas or Texas, which they play twice each. <laughs> Good it luck. Was wild. Yeah, and, and I I I live in Houston. I have a degree from Houston as well, and so I have lots of Cougar friends. And I told them, you know, when you are coming into the Big Twelve, like I remember the last couple seasons because I stay plugged in with that group too of. You know, two, three losses, people, the sky is falling in conference play for Houston because they've they've been elite for the last five years. And I said, listen, it if you win t- if you lose two or three games, you're the best team in the country, no doubt. Uh, if you lose five or six, you're still on the line for a one seed in the NCAA tournament. Just prepare mm-hmm. your fan base and prepare yourself for that, for what the expectation is. Uh it it is. It is get on board or get run over. You got to you got to hit the portal, hit stay with top recruits and make sure that you've got a great coach because there is no room for error. And you're in a recruiting hotbed of Texas, both for football and
2: basketball. It, it It's just unfair. It's always and nice. in some yeah. in some stretches. Hey, we want to get out get you out of here on this. Of course, the game on Wednesday night in the garden prediction time, David,
0: who you got? Scott Drew's teams have been tremendous in rebounds. Uh, coming off of losses, they, he has a steady hand. He has a great way of maintaining composure. I think he does that here. I'm the Baylor guy. I have to pick Baylor, right? Uh, I've mentioned the defensive issues. I think Philip Filipkowski has a great game. Uh, is Proctor? Have we seen anything new on him?
3: We we don't know. He he's off okay. crutches, but last we heard, he was not yet practicing. But that was a week. That was several days ago. Okay. Mm-hmm. I I'd, I'd say it's probably 50-50. Donald, you think that's about right? I I I don't
2: even know if I'd go 50-50. Um I think it's more likely than not that he will not play, but we haven't heard anything definitive either way. We probably will um as we get closer to game time. Maybe maybe some gamesmanship involved, but I I don't expect him to play.
3: Yeah, in in the interest of disclosure, we're recording this on Sunday afternoon. My bet is that by Tuesday we'll know. They'll they'll probably say something. Maybe they'll say it's a game time decision, but at the moment, yeah, we we don't know.
0: Well, I, I'll say I hope he wakes up just feeling tremendous and is ready to go 100 on Thursday morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Philipowski has a big one. Give me, give me the Bears. Like I said, lots of scoring. Uh, that's where that, that's where we've been able to be teams. So I, I on our show this week, I get, I said Bears ninety two eighty six. I'll stick with it.
3: That'd be a high scoring, high scoring. game. Of course, yeah. uh, on this show he doesn't play many games in that stratosphere. <laughs> uh, on this show, on this
2: show, when it comes to predictions, everyone has the right to be completely wrong. We hope obviously you are wrong uh, on Wednesday. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Fair and enough. even on Thursday. Hopefully, hopefully, you know, hopefully we get some uh, get some good pub out of this. But uh, hopefully Tyrese Proctor is good at any given point. And maybe he shows up on Wednesday. But hey, David Hornbeek from our daily podcast, which is part of the website. Our daily bears. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we'll hope to see you down the line.
0: Yeah,
3: thanks for having me, guys. Hey there, Duke fans. You know, warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with factors no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef created meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals.
2: That's right, Jason. And Jason, I can tell you, I just got some meals. They're fantastic. And the great thing is, like you said, two minutes, mindless work, pop it in the microwave, do what you need to do and it's ready to eat. No more cooking, no more cleaning pots and pans. And also, there's a lot of choices with 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. So you'll always have new flavors to
3: explore. All right, so head to Factormeals.com slash DukeBB50. Use that code, DukeBB50, to get 50% off your first box plus 20% 20% off your next month. That's code BB 50 at factormeals.com. Get 50% off your first box, 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Enjoy. Factor Meals from the Duke Basketball Roundup. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria
1: Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say.
0: we
2: are back and once again we thank david Hornbeek from our daily podcast for joining us on the dbr podcast to preview this game we have on wednesday night against the baylor bears jason first of all takeaways from the interview and you can expand that into what we think is going to happen in this game or what we want to look out for
3: well look he was i thought he was very honest and and i really liked his comment about the fa- the way they take it to the rim. I mean, I, you know, as I've said many times, I'm the I'm the stats guy, and and their their shots getting blocked percentage is just outrageous for a team this good on offense. But but he made it really clear that that's because Baylor is intent on taking good shots, and good shots mean close to the basket, and close to the basket means some of your shots are going to get blocked. But that they sort of do it, and they're like, yeah, you know, block shots be damned. I, is, I don't care. It's a shared misery, right? Like we, yeah. uh, we, have talked about our struggles with this, but it's for them. It's,
2: it felt like what he, what he, you know, thinks the intention is, is, Hey, they're, they're kind of looking at stats too. Like, Hey, this is a 90% shot, right? Every, every, if I go to the basket 10 times, if I get a block once that means I'm making it the other nine times.
3: And so I yeah. think that's kind of the, the aggressive mentality they have. Well, and it translates to their effective field goal percentage, which, which is, Fifty nine percent. It's fifth best in the country. I said they're the top three point shooting team in the country. But the reason their effective field goal percentage is so high is not just those three pointers. It's because even though they get their shots blocked a lot, they are a very very good two point shooting team as well. Almost fifty five percent of their two point shots get um, get get in the basket, and that that is that's how they get to their efficiency in a in a big big way. But I like that he was honest about that. And he was also honest about the difficult matchup they face with Kyle Filipowski with the youngsters Mm -hmm. trying to guard him. And I think that's a key. And look, you and I raved about the Kyle Filipowski that we got in Duke's most recent game against Hofstra. We need that kind of Kyle. I'm not saying he has to put up the exact same kind of numbers, but we need that Kyle who is moving the ball around a lot and who is causing the defense to adjust to him and then finding the open man. Uh, That's going to be absolutely essential for Duke. And if the Baylor, if the young, very young Baylor, who are athletic, but not necessarily super skilled and not super great on defense yet, if those guys are having trouble with Kyle Filipowski, that can make all the difference for Duke and and it can open up some good shots for Kyle's teammates. And then the last thing I wanted to mention from the interview, just reacting to it, you know, he was talking about Baylor joining the Blue Bloods. And he's right. Baylor has been one of the elite teams in the country for about a decade now, a little more than a decade, if you think about it. And he said, you know, look, we're We're trying not to get, you know, wowed when we play one of these unbelievable legendary teams and then he named them like Duke, like Michigan State, like UCLA. As a as a Duke fan, he didn't say Carolina. He didn't say Kentucky. Uh, I kind of love that he (laughs) those are the teams. To be fair, he
2: mentioned Kansas, but like they play Kansas every year. So that that doesn't count. It feels like, yeah, Yeah. it doesn't really count. And then they're they're just like another, you know, rival team that they they have on their way to trying to win a Big 12 title every year.
3: Yeah, and Donald, last thing was, I wanted to say uh, your question about the gauntlet that is the Big 12 was a great question. Man, some of the things he said during that were like so eye-opening. I wish people could, people can hear our voices. They can't see our eyes (laughs) because I was like, oh my God, just thinking about the Big 12 and how difficult difficult it is now and how much more difficult it's going to be next year. Wow, I mean, like, yeah, they lose Texas and Oklahoma, but the teams they add, it's just ridiculous. This this conference is the elite basketball conference right now. There's no question about it.
2: Yeah. And I mean it, it played into your question about this game being important for them coming off the loss against Michigan State. We've talked about the, you know, the big games that we have. And us wanting to win those games because when you think about seeding purposes or just comparing conferences, they they don't look at us beating Southern Indiana and LaSalle, they they wonder how we did against Arizona, they wonder how we did against Michigan State and Arkansas in this Baylor game. So yeah, it's very important for us and over the grand, you know, scheme of the whole season for Baylor, it's just one more game for them, it feels like, because of the gauntlet that they have in the Big Twelve, not just now, but what will future come that you know, the number one team in the country right now will be in the conference next year. So it's, it's interesting to see how they approach this game, especially considering how badly they got beat against Michigan State.
3: Yeah, my, and my last comment on all this, because I don't think you and I need to get into our usual, they have this and that and, and advanced metrics. I mean, we already did that in the conference. We did way better than usual because we mm-hmm. had our Baylor expert on with us, as you said at the, at the top. But I did want to point out that Michigan State loss for Baylor really knocked Baylor for a loop. I mean, blowouts like that are murder on your efficiency. They were, mentality. I think they dropped from like, I think they were like six to oh, the Kim Pong. Yeah. I'm going to give you the numbers. Get ready for it. So in the net rankings, which is what the NCAA, it's a major, major tool the NCAA uses. Baylor went from number five in the net to number 18. In Ken Pomeroy, they went from number five to number 14. And by the way, Duke is now number 12, thanks to a couple blowout wins for us. Duke has risen up. We, we'd we fallen back like close to 20 or so. We're up to number 12 in the Ken Palm rankings. As a result, Ken Palm thinks that Duke wins this game by one point. <laughs> uh, but we're just a little bit ahead of Baylor. But uh, that said, the fact that Baylor got knocked so hard in these efficiency numbers, in the grand scheme of things, I think that that was a good game for Duke because Michigan State had been knocked down a good bit after we beat them. They have not had a good season so far. And so bringing Michigan State up in the net and in Ken Palm is really good for Duke because it makes our win over them look better. Michigan State in the net rose from 79 to 45. I mean, we're talking like they, they jumped 30 points in the net from that mm-hmm. one win against Baylor. They rose from 33 to 23 in Ken Palm. Ken Palm always liked Michigan State way more than the net does. But if Michigan State stays in the net top 50, then our win over them, our neutral court win, is a quad one win. Duke's not going to have a lot of quad one opportunities this year. And we already lost two of them, frankly, in the Arizona and the Arkansas games. Those were both quad one opportunities. We lost both of those. So having Michigan state up there, and I think Michigan state probably is going to, they're going to be fine, but having them stay in the top 50 in the net is a big deal for Duke. This win helps them with that. And frankly, Baylor's not going anywhere. Baylor's going to be still a quad one game for Duke, no matter what. So I kind of think, this game's more important. I got at it this in my last question. This game, I think, is more important for Duke than it is for Baylor. Because as you've said, Baylor has so many opportunities in the Big 12. Ba- th- these Big 12 teams, as important as the non-conferences, they're really judged on how do they do against the Kansas, against the BYUs, against the Houston's, blah, 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 in the Big 12, much more so than their non-conference. I think Duke needs another marquee non-conference win much more than Baylor does.
2: Yeah, and I think that's why... This game feels so important. Again, it's the last one that we have of these, you know, four major non-conference game uh, games that we had in this in this schedule. But also it's the garden, right? It's our home away from home. We play there every year. It feels in essence kind of like a pseudo home game because we are so familiar with the with those friendly confines and hopefully it turns into a home court uh, on Wednesday. I will be up there, by the way, uh, for the game on Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. ESPN if you are not in the garden tune in and watch is going to be a big one so for that we are leaving it here on episode 571 of the DBR podcast thank you so much for listening for Jason I am Donald and now it is time for the Duke band to play us out and take us home
0: hey David how's it going good how are you guys doing good. pretty good doing pretty good Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the invitation. Um, it's unfortunate Baylor's game got canceled yesterday, but, you know, that's okay.
3: <laughs> ah, Wait, you got ah, players What happened? I liked that.
0: <laughs> no, I didn't get to play. I don't know what, what happened. Um, COVID or something, I guess. But, you know, that's okay. We're looking forward to being in Madison Square Garden on Wednesday, and we'll <laughs> go from there. Good Alrighty. stuff, David. My if you have two seconds, I'll tell you a story about my buddy that was a big Duke fan. We were so we were uh freshmen in the fall of 2010. So right after you guys won that national title. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh we would always go to the student building and, and play basketball. And he shows up uh wearing Duke shorts to a game. And we were just shooting around the gym playing, and we started running with some guys, and then a group of guys said, Okay, well, we got next. And Quincy Acey was one of the guys that came over. Oh, wow. And and he, he, we were kind of all lining up. Everybody's kind of figuring out who they're going to guard. And he, he sends her, he's like, I got the guy in the Duke shorts. And uh, <laughs> my buddy, Jay was a tremendous basketball player. He, he played actually, he, he and Connor Frank camp played on an AAU team together. They were, oh, yeah. he was a great player. Uh, he passed a lot that ball game that, 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 <laughs> I he believe. he did it. not win as you would. As got you rid would of expect. it
3: quickly probably as well. That's right. <laughs> <laughs>